What's up, rockers? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast, where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also follow us on Facebook, iTunes, Spotify, Instagram at TalkLouder underscore podcast. And, of course, our website, TalkLouderPodcast.com, where you'll find links to our previous episodes and also links to buy merch, etc., etc. I'm Metal Dave, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. And, uh, man, we got a great guest today. And I got to give fun. I got to give you dude. credit, man. You you pulled this guy out of. Uh, I certainly couldn't have found this guy, but uh, I, I know you're well connected, and especially in the underground metal scene. We've got Nasty Ronnie from Nasty Savage on the Talk Louder podcast today, and uh, I know of Ronnie and I know his music, but I've never talked to the man and I've never met him. And today was a real eye opener because he just struck me as a completely genuine, uh, kind-hearted, humble, super smart uh, individual. And I guess I just had this image in my head of this wild man on stage who's just smashing TVs and confronting the audience. All all of the things that you just said, just underlined them a thousand times and... (laughs) He, he mentions something in our, our interview today with it's pre-recorded. He, he says, uh, I'm, I'm not really a singer. I just play one on stage, you know, and that's, he's being very, very humble. And he's, um, you know, he, and he talks about the character Nasty Ronnie as being like a switch that, that Ron Galetti just turns on. And, you know, he's a, kind of a go-between that ends up just being the same guy. Yeah. Um, but obviously he's a family man and he's an entrepreneur and he knows how to use his uh, resources and he's a uh, he's a he's a producer you know he's a he's an actor he's a producer he's a writer he's a uh, he's a manager and yeah. um, and he's a go-getter he's a cheerleader he's a yeah he's many 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 things so I I'm happy I was super ecstatic that he was just he jumped on the opportunity he he uh he almost acted like you couldn't believe that i he was like why do you want to talk to me it's like dude don't (laughs) even ask me that question yeah um i have a lot of respect for him and i i like as you'll see i really probably turned red because i was just going dude we have unfinished business because i i have not spent enough time with this person because I just have so much respect for him and he's just this almost soft-spoken but he's yeah. he's also loud at the same time because he's he's smart but he's humble and he's real and uh and he's a heavy metal fan yeah. and he is, he lives and breathes whatever he he dips into um yeah. I, I took away a I took away a great appreciation for his passion for all of his pursuits because you can just tell he's very genuine about it. Uh, he thinks things through. Everything that he talks about today, you can tell there's been a great deal of thought behind it. Uh, he doesn't just jump out there and execute. He puts a lot of thought into it. He he strategizes thinks about how he's going to network because he wants the best results and, and it's because he believes in what he's doing. And I, I, I just, I always appreciate anybody that not only has the raw talent to do something, but understands 
what it takes to shake hands and, 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 and reach out to people and network a little bit and do it without being a nuisance. It's a very fine line between being obnoxious and being sincere and, uh, and, and trying to connect with people. And that's what I took away from today. I guess I was just expecting this drooling, raging madman like you've seen him on stage. And well, he is that. Yeah, you, and you want him to be that yeah. madman. You want him to be just like full of blood and sweat and just yeah. like pissing off people. And uh, yeah. that's what he does on stage. And it's it's the through the music. And dude, Nasty Savage is not to be fucked with. They're like thrash and prog metal and rock and roll and theater and a horror show and dominate and dominatrix type you know snm and they're it's Gladiators. crazy yeah. what's going on on stage in a nasty savage show is run the show is run by nasty ronnie but the songs are his vehicle that he's riding around on your face right yeah. Yeah. so so the things that I feel very fortunate to have seen some of their early shows as early as 85 and 86, and it was mind-blowing then, and I can only imagine it be just as mind-blowing. Um, it's not the, the same original lineup, which was just kind of classic, and, you know, I have, a, I have a special place in my heart for that original band, uh, right. and I have mementos from back then that make it, even that more, mem you know, it's a memory that's never going to go away. Um, so that's just awesome to, to me. But, you know, dude, Ronnie, you know, he's, for people who don't know, uh, he, he was like pretty much in the, the wrestling crowd. And you yeah. see those big guys, and Ron's a big guy. Mm -hmm. uh, flying through the air, how are they? How is that possible for <laughs> yeah. this large man to just go shoo like yeah. a like a spaceship flying like a through the air? Yeah. Dude, it's crazy. It's crazy to think about. Uh, so this is basically cueing a lot of the photographs that he sent us for our montage. So you know, Jared's actually putting these together as I say this. And yeah. uh, I'm sure you're seeing these photos while I while I speak. Uh, it's 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 nuts. And you know, we talk about this too. He was on the cover of like every underground heavy metal tape trader type fanzine between '83 and '86. And he tells and us why. He tells us why. We'll yeah. keep that. We'll let him tell us why, and yeah. how professional that is of him to do that. Uh, and he probably uh, had to save his lunch money to do it, yeah. you know, because stamps and phone calls and, and you know, supplies, you know, you got to buy cassette tapes. It was it was the 80s people. Yeah. So, you know, um, yeah. wow, just incredible. I, I, I could I, go I on. I, I could just go on and on and on about uh, how special of a man he is. And the impact that he made on me and my friends here in Texas when they came through. Yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty amazing, amazing stuff. And he's one of the guys that, that you hear us you hear us talk about uh, when we mention the whole tape trading world of the underground. Of, of how your favorite thrash bands got record deals or got into a magazine. He, this is living proof of exactly how and what 
we have been talking about the whole time here on the Talk Louder podcast. Nasty Ronnie. So I got to say this before any of you motherfuckers says shit to me right now. (laughs) Ronnie, I love you so much, dude. I love you. (laughs) I have loved you since the day that we met. Is this a dating site? You need to know that. (laughs) I I have only... I'm no, I'm talking to you, man. Right, I know. Okay, I'm just I feel that. like I feel like we have unfinished business. <laughs> I feel like I feel like uh, you know, back in the day, and I don't need to say anything after that. When you guys came to Texas a couple times, few times, and. The few times that we got to hang out, I just feel like we were brothers, you know? And, well, uh, man, dude, I, I just got to say, man, you were the legend of Texas, brother. And, and it was uh, just, it was so cool to be around you because when, where you were, the vibe was from the people, man. They, everyone yeah. you know, really respected you a lot in, in, in Texas and all over. But at the time, you were a Texas hero and Mike from Militia. And the yes. first time, man, at KPFT, and we played on the demo tape tour at the Consolidated Arts Warehouse. There's a famous photo of of you, Mike, and myself thrashing on stage. I'm gonna find that, man. Yeah, get it I, I I have that photo amazing. somewhere, and I can't I can't find it anywhere. And it's like I think Gene Bartholomew took that, and it's a close up, and our hair looks like fire. I know exactly no, the that, photo I, you're talking about. Yeah, it was actually the guy that came with us. We brought a oh. photographer with us, uh, David oh. Smith. Oh, okay. And he, took, he took some killer Texas shots. Yeah. Matter of fact, I sent you a couple. Uh, one profile shot of me uh, throwing, I think it was the guy in one of the other bands, backwards into this crowd. Uh, there's a there's one before and after shot that I sent you guys out of the million photos I sent you. So. So I, have, I, I, uh, I want David to get in here and ask a question. I've already expressed my brotherly love for you and respect, and we have stories to tell. But let's get Dave. This is Metal Dave. You guys, I don't think that you've ever met, but he's from San Antonio, and so he knows about Nasty Savage. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say uh, I've, I've got a lot of friends in San Antonio that are going to be very interested in this show because I remember hearing them raving about Nasty Savage going all the way back to like 85, 86, something like that. And uh, a lot of them were in bands and continue to be musicians. So I know they're, they're, they're happy for me that I'm talking to you today, and I'm happy to be talking to you today. So uh, let's kind of, let, let's back up a bit. Nasty Savage, a Florida-based band, but you obviously had a stronghold in San Antonio, so much so that you uh, released a live uh, recording from the Cameo Theater, a venue that Jason and I know very well. Um, so I'm aware of why you had such a stronghold in San Antonio, but, but for people that are listening to the podcast, tell us what is your relationship with San Antonio, especially in those early years, and how important was it? Yeah, f- first off, um, San Antonio, is the relationship was a love relationship, man, because those are some real, real metal fans and great people, man. Oh, my gosh. It was... Um, 
it was thanks to the radio station, Kiss Radio, Tracy Barnes, and I think it was was it Mark Anthony, Joe Anthony, uh, Joe, Joe, Anthony. Joe, Joe Anthony, Joe Anthony, Anthony. yes, sir, legends yeah. with yes, vision sir. who helped metal happen in the eighties. They actually sent a reel to reel tape to Metal Blade Records and said, "Dude, you guys need to sign this band because they are popular in San Antonio, and uh, you know these guys got something going on." And uh, even in the the letter that Brian Slagle wrote me, I believe it it even mentions Kiss Radio. Wow. So, but but you know that just because of a man like that and a station like that, it breeds metal fans because they're yes. more educated, they're more into it, and it was just it was a stronghold of America to to gain respect and and to play because they're passionate people in San Antonio, man, and they just they just. It was a natural, you know, and a lot of history was going on back then. You Watchtower, you got, you know, there's San Antonio Slayer, Militia, and, and so many other bands. But but we did a demo tape tour, and it was really because of KPFT, Houston, Texas, that were playing the crap out of our demo tape. And then we got it to San Antonio, the Thrashers they were playing at the radio station picked it up, and then we hit Austin. So it was a three Three shows we did on a demo tape tour, man. It, it was it was just amazing, you know, because yeah, we we're doing something in Brandon, Florida, where we created Nasty Savage, um, you know. And but but I'm a marketing guy. I'm a performer, but I'm a marketer, man. And and I I really wasn't a singer, man. I kind of just played one on stage. It's kind of a joke I tell, but you know, if I was the singer. I'm going to market the band. So that's what I was doing. I was licking stamps. I was, I was sending stacks and bags of, of demo tapes, man. And like KPFT, I had a little space on the end of my demo tape and I had that rock box in my bedroom and I hit play and record and I'd, I'd have a whole list of these stations. I go, this is Nasty Ronnie from Nasty Savage here on KPFT Houston, Texas. And here's a song off our new demo tape, Wage of Mayhem. This is Unchained Angel. So now I'm a DJ at KPFT and I get yes. that in the mail. He's going to play that shit, man. Yes. And I did that times 100. You know, I had a list of every underground college station. And one of the big one was Don K in New York City. I didn't know who I was sending them to. But those guys really appreciated when someone supplied them. And then what happened after that, a lot of bands started coming up here in Brandon. And I, I would give those guys all the contacts. I said, go for it, man. Here's your homework. And... So it was a good feeling that I was able to help other bands, uh, local bands, you know, guys um, that had demos out of the time were trying to get somewhere. And yeah. So I, just them, I just give them home to do with it. But it's because of the people, the fans, the, the media. I mean, you got to take care of business. You got to market. You got to market. You got to market. You got to push. And you have, have to have something to back it up. And getting back to your original question, San Antonio is just one of our most favorite places to ever play in the world, man. And, you know, after the first time you come back and they've got the barbecues ready, I mean, they're, they treat you like they're fa your family. And it's true. Some of the great, greatest times, man, and the best food and hospitality and all of Texas. Give me a tea for Texas, baby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> man, we got to get him a gig at the Chamber of Commerce, man. Oh, that yeah. was like one of the oh, best uh, pro-Texas well, speeches. Now you... Economic impact. Economic impact. <laughs> so, so, you know, I wanted to 
jump into the middle of that, but you were on such a good uh, foray rant, uh, kind of, uh, uh, you know, Roman candle there. I wonder how many other heavy metal singers or just anybody in any, any band was, you know, doing the same thing that you were doing in the early to mid 80s with your demo tape and and got to you know to at least see the mountain that was built for you and you gave back by you know bag of tapes licking stamps sending them to every fanzine every radio station that had an underground metal a burgeoning metal scene and 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 i wonder you know because you did the work you did you did the work and you i i would only i can only see you smiling and having fun doing the work because heavy metal back then in a roundabout way was still fairly new especially nasty savage heavy metal yeah. because you guys have your own thing and I believe that that was the charm. That was the charm for Metal Blade to get with you. It was the charm for the reason for any DJ or any other fanzine to want to write about you. Um, the It's funny, Unchained Angel remains my favorite uh, Nasty Savage song. And uh, just Ben singing those, those chorus lines, uh, Unchained Angel, <laughs> it's like I'll yeah. never, ever forget the moments uh the times i was in the audience at the ritz and the cameo watching you guys play and father ronnie i have a confession to make uh it has been father please forgive me uh it has been 35 years since i have seen nasty savage play live uh, I don't know how many unholy Hail Marys I need to say, but please <laughs> let me into heavy metal heaven. Uh, please forgive my soul that it has been that long. But, you know, Ronnie, I have to say, I don't really have a question. I'm just kind of throwing this out there. It was a handful of years later that I'm in Florida with my band Dangerous Toys, and I walk into my dressing room and you're in there <laughs> you're in there with with two like amazon creature wrestling ladies and tom allen world renowned heavy metal hard rock producer y'all are in my dressing room and i walk in and my jaws on the floor and i really feel like i was so freaked out i didn't know what to say or do and that's on me and i just feel guilty that i didn't give you enough bro hugs or give you my you know we didn't really get to catch up i just feel like we have all this unfinished business as metal brothers and that was just a crazy ass moment that i think about very very often and tell us about your we know that you know you 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 guys made a handful of records and you're you're kind of back at it or you never did nasty savage take a break ever oh yeah i think about we did a tour with dri in 1990 okay uh, two or something it was 60 shows in 65 days and from wow. la chicago detroit across canada texas 
Uh, we played, you know, the Fox in Atlanta, every, everywhere possible, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Kansas, everywhere in between New York city, Buffalo, Syracuse, every, you know, the DRI, those guys tour. Yeah. And it was amazing. It was amazing. And they're great guys. We just released penetration point, the album. And, uh, after that we kind of broke up. Yeah. And, um, and then Ben left. Uh, we just kind of quit jamming. We we did a couple of, of uh, festivals in Germany. You know, it is you play once in a while here and there, but then it okay kind of stopped. And then uh, we replaced Ben, and you know we just kept going, man. And, and we've been playing off and on for ever since. But if you say thirty five years, you haven't seen us. We probably haven't played 35 shows. I mean, we probably played maybe, <laughs> maybe six, maybe 45, you know. Okay. So, so but, you know, when we play, we, we played, we've done festivals. Like before COVID, we played in um, Peru, Lima, Peru. We yep. headlined that. And then the Santiago, Chile. You know, we, did, we went to South America and did all that stuff, too, with Ben still in the band. But then we've been, we've been just kicking ass and doing all kinds of shows in Europe before COVID. And then, and now we just had a string of like f three shows and this month we're going to Mexico city. So yeah. it's exciting. But after that, we have no shows and getting back to Lakeland civic center, we came there to see you, man. And, and, uh, you know, it was, it was great to see you, but you were busy. I mean, you know, you were on the road and, you know, I, I kind of thought, wow, it was so quick, but we got a couple of photos and stuff and it was, it was a pleasure to uh to come see you because you're you're an amazing singer and performer and um, you, you know just all around good person and you know you've always had success and back in those early days of nasty savage I, i'm telling you i know dave and used to listen to watchtower quite a bit man, you know I mean, so it was just it was so cool to to be around at that time of metal like you said yes there's no internet there was nothing but licking stamps or phone calling you know there was yeah. nothing else yeah, and, no. and that's what we've had to do. I mean, I mean, nothing comes easy in life, man. Right. So with me, I figured if I'm going to be the singer, I might as well market. And but it's really about the music and the band. And, and that's what drives me when I whatever I do on stage. It's hypnotic music that just makes me get in my rhythm. And it just you turn on that switch, man. And, and you know, you just go to work and, and you perform. And that's my deal. Like, man, I just watched the Elvis movie, uh, you know, the new Elvis movie is okay. amazing. Colonel Parker, you know, Tom Hanks is awesome. But, you know, you know, um, back in the day, you'd have Elvis, Johnny Cash, uh, Little Richard, Jerry Lee Lewis, sometimes playing on the same stage in the same night in front of people. Yeah. So um, when like when um Jerry Lee would get off the stage, he'd go to Little Richard after he burned his piano down. It's a top that. You know, and then Elvis, you know, did one after another. So I always looked at it when you have the stage, take it, you know, whatever you do in life, go for it, you know, and yeah. it, it, the stage connection as I get older is, is even, it's more of a real, real connection and theater and stuff that I just try to, it's like wrestlers. When the, a good wrestler, you'll see a good wrestler and he'll work slow. Because he'll be methodical and let you understand the psychology of what he's delivering. And, and that's kind of how I've got it now, slowing it down, um, doing stuff with flowers on the 
on the TV set uh, during the morgue when I'm it's it's about mourning a loved one lost. But, but I'm taking flowers with a mask on, a skull mask and shit. <laughs> and I'm dropping flowers down on the TV, like, because you know what's going to happen to that TV. And I'm just working the crowd, man. You could feel them following along, man. And it's like, oh, shit, it, it's so cool. I mean, I just had the greatest time. It's almost like Picasso in his later days in, in his life. He knew it was coming to the end. Or he just knew he was... He wanted to produce more than ever, more sculpture, yeah. more paintings, you know, and you just you just want to you want to take it over the edge. You know, it's 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 amazing. It, it's you know, it's what we do when we have that stage and just like Jerry Lee or Elvis. And, you know, they they were right there with each other. I mean, we just played the Carolina Chainsaw Massacre and yeah. we were fourth before the end. Nuclear Assault headlined, and there's two other bands. And we came on after they put on a, a comedian. <laughs> this guy, oh. I forget what he was. So it was great because the comedian, like, killed the crowd. We came on and just fucking blew everybody away, man. And, I mean, I could look at the eyes of those guys that come in after us. When we got off the stage, they were like, holy shit, boys, let's huddle up. You know, let's huddle up. Let's huddle up. I could see it, brother, in their eyes. You know, because, I mean... Some of those pictures are ones from that show I sent you, man. But it, to do that at 60 years old, it's just, it's such a pleasure and honor to do it with the guys and to share yeah. those moments with the fans, man. Because what's happening is <clears throat> these young kids are looking for old school. And, and no one just gets on there and is half preaching and half Jim Morrison or, or half whoever and just puts on this show. You know, I don't I don't think and they're not used to that. I just command them and hook them from the get go right to the end. Yeah, it, let's let's amazing. let me interrupt. You know, you know, without mentioning, you know, well, I guess I have to mention, you know, the the original guys who do relate similar similar stage antics that you have and you know, from Kiss to Alice Cooper to even Iggy Pop and David Bowie, but you could pull from the wrestling ring as well. And you're you're involved with that. And we'll talk about your your years as a was it semi pro? Were you doing semi pro wrestling? What were you doing? Let's talk. We can talk about it now. Well, you know, um, let's see. It just started out with me loving wrestling and i was i used to watch pro wrestling from florida every saturday night and my friends wouldn't come pick me up uh, to go out until eight o'clock when wrestling was over because i'd be watching it with my mom and dusty Rhodes came into my life as a as a baby face as a good guy and, and it just he was the son of a plumber the american dream and just something about it, i just i loved wrestling a lot you know so when it got nasty savage and all that uh, I was backstage at a Iron Maiden concert, and there was Kevin Sullivan, the Prince of Darkness, one of the most evil wrestlers in you know in hotbed for Florida. He had the Purple Haze, Mayhaw Singh, you know, just he was so killer. So I had to meet him, and I did. 
And I said, dude, you need to, I need to get work with you. You got to work with Nasty Savage, dude. He's like, yeah, brother. Okay, sure. He goes, come see me at the Sportatorium. So I go to the Sportatorium the next Tuesday or whatever to meet him. Made me wait all day. He never came out. Finally, he came out at the end. He goes, I can't talk now. Come Saturday night to this arena. So I went to that one in Sarasota. Same thing. Oh, man, I can't talk. But I stayed with it, and I went to the next one. And finally, I go, dude, we're playing Saturday night at Ruby's Pub. Come see Nasty Savage. You'll see what I do, and uh, or you'll see what we do as a band. So I'm on stage, and I'm, but it's mayhem back then. You know, yeah. it's like total mayhem. Early eighty, uh, you know, eighty four. I look at the left, and I see them come in the door, and they go to the back. Bottom line is the next day he called me and said, brother, come have dinner with us tonight. Come see us. And I just started out getting on championship wrestling from Florida with oh. Kevin Sullivan. I took him to Vandekar's house where we the guy who painted our album covers. It's like Warlock dude. And next thing you know, I was on TV because they did the TV show. So once I got on that, I was able to just walk into these wrestling schools around here, Malenko School, and start getting involved in promoting and wrestling and 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 being a manager and then i started promoting my own shows and the next thing you know i, I got a call from uh, a guy named eddie mansfield at universal studios and iwf wrestling i uh, went on to co-produce 200 episodes of the iwf wrestling wow so uh, i wasn't really a full-fledged wrestler wrestler all the time but i could do the moves if i had to and yeah you know, but i was a manager promoter uh, talent you know creative director all, all that that's what i learned how i learned my background for television so uh, wow. i always i always was just inspired and influenced by pro wrestling and aggressiveness and see that's something Wendy. that's that's something that from the you know from a guy who always i'm always telling young young musicians and bands and stuff you got to use your resources man go meet someone at the radio station go you know find some magazines that have addresses that you can literally write to them now it would be an email address but that's okay same shit yeah. and uh that's <clears throat> that's amazing that you got into that and were actually became part of what you were a fan of and that's how that shit kind of works but where i was going with the performance aspect and 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 even the shows that you invited someone you admire to come see just so they could soak it up. And, and of course, your magic worked and they, you got invited to dinner and then the rest was snowball. Uh, yeah, they respected once they yeah. saw that I'm a real performer of, of and a worker as well as they are. Of course, of course. Yeah. And, and you were doing something that they didn't really have because, you know, you were actually doing some of their moves maybe on stage with heavy metal and you're singing and you know are they singing no you know so you actually were mix mixed media you know you were doing all kinds of shit. yeah i was crossing every line i possibly could because you just had to but one thing he did do is he he said, hey, brother, uh, you know those flash bombs you had on stage? He goes, can you bring that to a Daytona? We're doing this big show for the triple chance cage match. And I got to be part of the entourage coming down. But I brought the flash bombs. And that was before wrestling was really doing pyro and all that. Yeah, and wow. I had these two flash bombs that they used. And they're all excited about it, man. <laughs> and, you know, just you, you always got to bring value to somebody. And, you know, one one thing going back to the early demo tape days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I would look at like pen pals in the back of Hit Parader of or whatever magazine. So I would I would just send someone a free a free CD a free uh, demo tape, and I'd put a bunch of shit in there because I knew that every metal dude hangs out with about six or eight other metal dudes. So he um, he goes, look what I got from Nasty or Savage, man. Oh, next thing you know, I get three or four more orders coming in from that area. I could tell what was going on. So yeah. I was like marketing to yeah. people psychologically in a way of marketing, you know, back then, because you just... So you just are born with it or not, you know, and that's why well, I did it because I, I was, I'm a natural. That, well, if somebody orders, if somebody, cause I still sell merch on all my websites, right? Some, if someone orders one from one of my projects or one of my bands, dude, it could be toys. It could be one of my many and I'll throw extra shit in there that they didn't want, that they didn't order just to see, Oh, they might, if they dig this, they'll probably dig this, you know? And, um, yeah. And it usually it just kind of helps, you know, you're marketing, you're promoting. It's not like you're actually trying to make more money because nobody's getting rich off of what we do. Um, it is for the love of the game. What? Uh, what Wait, but you know what it really was about is just making somebody's day. And if they thought enough of us to, to order one or to, to, to reach out, do you know how – how great you feel when someone reaches back. I mean, yes, you're I just happy and you spread <laughs> happiness and positiveness. And I mean, that's what life's about, but that's what marketing is about for me. Just getting people's day every time I could. Yeah. 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 I wanted to ask about the, the performance since we were speaking about it just a minute yeah. ago. Um, obviously your, your onstage performance is very physical and, uh, and aggressive and you smash the televisions and all that stuff um given that you're that's part of your act i'm sure what's the worst onstage mishap you've had with you know smashing a tv or or, or getting engaged with a crowd or you ever hurt yourself or or hurt anybody in the audience or have any hecklers trying to outdo yeah. you out crazy nasty ronnie or anything i don't, don't usually get the hecklers uh <laughs> if i do uh you know, I take care of them, but yeah. is this a free speech? You have the freedom of, you have the freedom to say what you want, fuck face. You know, that happened one time in Syracuse on a tour with all the skinheads with DRI. I said, just come on up here one by one. I'll kick your asses right now. And none of them came up. And DRI, they were up. You know, it was the chance in Syracuse. They were talking so much shit. And I just jumped up in there, came down, boom, right on my chest. And, and, jump back up i did a flip landed on my back i said come on come on none of them did. but <laughs> no but that's just you just roll with whatever happens on stage and you know i really don't let anybody mess with the tvs because they're very dangerous so you know and that's mine it's like a lion man that's that's my shit don't mess with it um so once in a while i'd have to throw a guy off stage or slam him or knock him off or put a, you know, some, you know, just it's, I've never really been hurt, hurt. Um, it's just a, it's a thing that I've always done. It's a gimmick, but it's real. You know, it, it's sort of like a bullfighter, you know, you, you know, what's going on with the bull, you know, that what's going to happen to the bull, but, but he messes with the bull a lot before he does what he has to do. And that's kind of what I do with the TVs. It's just a, 
sometimes I look back and go, man, are we just a sideshow act? Is people take us serious? But that's where the music comes in so serious, so powerful, you know, so progressive and just, you know, yeah, classic songs of nasty you're, you're, Your band is not fucking around. You no, guys are, you guys are, you guys are a mix mash of so many, uh, you know, hard rock stylist, stylistically, you guys are progressive thrash metal, classic thrash metal, classic metal with hard rock. And you got Nasty Ronnie doing what Nasty Ronnie does. Do you feel like, you know, you're like a a proper nice young man and then nasty ronnie is like a persona that takes over well that's that's what i mean it's it's um you got to turn on the switch on and off otherwise you just burn yourself out you know so you can't you got to be real too i mean yeah. uh so there is probably i don't sometimes know that other guy but then i do and, and it's just like i just i just like to take people it's it's just it's total theater and performance, you know, yeah. but it's it's something very serious that, that you have to do it singing songs to please myself. All at once, things seem so small. Your grief and mine must intertwine indulgence, you know, it's and, and that's what it's it. Yeah. That's what it's about to me. It's just like, just ride, baby. Come for this ride, burn images in your brain, and then you're going to be entertained. And at the end of the day, Tomorrow, you're going to think about some of those images because they're going to be there. You're, you're not going to forget them, you know? Right, right. You're not going to forget. So it's just the performance, you know? And there is two people. There has to be for yeah. me. That's yeah. always been me. Yeah. Where, where were you guys getting the budget for all the television sets? Because you guys obviously probably weren't, a, you know, not a big budget band, didn't have a lot of extra money for props. And you're going through these things on a nightly basis. Are you making the rounds at the pawn shops before the gigs or where are you acquiring all these television sets? Well, you go back to your fan base and right? you say, hey, bring a TV, you get it free, bring a TV, whatever, just bring one. You, now use, I bring it my writers. Use I your, it in the yeah. writers so the promoters have yeah. to deliver them. But there we would go, go on tour with about five or six, seven TVs, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, the first time, one of the first time we played New York, we played Lamore with Slayer. And um, I smashed the TV then. And then, like, a couple of months later, the guys from Metal Forces magazine contacts me and goes, hey, uh, Billy Milano said something about you, look. And I go, Billy Milano, really? I go, what? He goes, uh, he said he could kick your ass in 10 seconds that you, you smash fake TVs. I go, are you serious? I go, well, you tell him if I ever see him, I'll have my stopwatch, you know, big deal. So I'm in New Jersey <laughs> in New York and we're playing a gig, right? And um, I see Billy Milano, I'm on stage and I see him in the crowd. So after we were done, I was bird dogging, man, seeing where he's at and I saw him go into the bathroom so I followed him in the bathroom. He's there taking the leap, right? With his, you know, at the wall. I came up behind him, put my head right behind his, my hand right behind his head, pushed him under the wall. I go, hey, Billy. And I pushed him back and I go, it's Nasty Ronnie. And I brought my stopwatch. He goes, oh man. He goes, I'm sorry. It was just a bad time in my life. So it was a good thing, but he didn't fight. You know, he's a bad dude, looks pretty tough. But I was ready to throw down, you know? I, I brought out Nasty Ronnie there. And, and my bass player was in the room, and, and Dan Linker was in there too from 
right after we were done, we came out and we all hung out a little bit. But it was funny Good. because you know, I, I didn't really want to fight, but no. I was ready. I was Cause, ready. Because Billy's okay. He's okay. He actually lives it, down here in Austin. I saw him last weekend. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we've had friends since then. I mean, we were cool that night, but it was just something yeah. that, that heavy metal shit that happens, you know, yeah. once in a while. Yeah. You just gotta, that's where you stand up for who you are, no that's matter right. what. That's you know, right. You protect, you protect yourself, your bandmates, and your music. That's and right. Who you are. So I want to, I have a couple of things I want to hold up uh, just to kind of keep things going here. So I don't know if you can see this very well. Oh, I don't have my glasses on. Okay. It? Well, it, it's a guillotine. It's guillotine. Oh, okay. I see it. Yep. Yeah. It says $1 guillotine. It's a fanzine for those who aren't watching. It's what is yeah. it? A guillotine fanzine. It's got young Ronnie on the cover. That's probably their first issue. There's a get. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't say. Yeah, it says number one right here. You're exactly yeah. right. Uh, it's got King right. Diamond on the back. Uh, so this is probably 84, right? 83, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was, there was something about that is the guys who put that together and uh, would, would hang out with Chuck and the guys from Def. And yeah, Mark, Mark Conrad and John Gross. I want to definitely yeah, mention those, those guys. guys. Yeah, those two guys. Well, yeah, I, was yeah. writing, I was writing to these guys and then uh, – I either brought this to a nasty savage militia show in Texas, or you sent it to me because you, this has your autograph on it. It says, really? "You're yeah, you're you're drawing a little bubble up here, and it says watched. Yeah. You wrote Watchtower kicks fucking ass, and then you wrote down here, uh, my brother of metal till the day I die hard, nasty yeah. nasty fucking Ronnie." Triple X. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Got the bro. triple X, bro. Oh, that's my signature. Dude, I yeah. cherish I cherish this Man, thing that's so not fun. worth fifty cents. It's <laughs> not so it has everybody in it. Overkill, Exciter, Venom, Manowar, Slayer, Silver Mountain, Anthrax. Oh, you signed even even the, the, the centerfold where it's talking <laughs> the interviews of and course. shit. You went through the whole thing and made sure that you signed it. Yeah, you know, that's what it was about was fanzines. That, that's Oh, the whole band. Gonna... I got all you guys. The whole fucking band signed it right here, bro. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, Whoa. fanzines was, I mean, you talked about it earlier, and Jason and I talk about it on the show all the time. It's hard for people to remember, but there was a time when you licked stamps and you went to the print shop and made Xerox copies of flyers and 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 folded envelopes and all that stuff. And uh, and that was that was sort of your that was your internet before the internet. That's the way metal people connected with each other and, and traded tapes and and turned each other on to new bands. I mean, well, I think were, there, wait, wasn't there one in San Antonio called the Unholy Book or something? That's correct. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, uh, it, that was uh, the, they got the name from uh, the Slayer song, Unholy Book. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I reached out to every fanzine possible, but when I went th when I sent them stuff, I would send him plenty of photos, a bio, a demo, you know. So I, I helped them help me. Yes. And if, if more people would think like that, they could probably get a little further down the road, man. Yes. Because 
most of those guys don't want to have to type or figure out stuff to write and then could you have photos yeah i'll mail them to you you know just give it all at one time and the yeah. excitement again that's why i got on the cover of like 15 different fanzines and magazines you know yeah probably in one year ronnie because probably you sent just the photo because you took care of it yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. My my whole background is in journalism, and, and you're absolutely right. You, you just nailed it. There was a time when you were looking to fill pages as an editor at a magazine. You were looking sure. to fill pages. And if Nasty Ronnie sends you a high-quality photo that you can reprint and he sends you the article, then— and it's dynamic, a dynamic image? Yeah, you just filled three pages of a magazine without lifting a finger, and that's— pure gold to somebody who's trying to make a magazine happen back in those days. So I remember working uh, publicity for a, some bands out of San Antonio, some thrash metal bands, and I was taking, you know, just what you said, I would tell them, look, let's get a good photo, preferably black and white, because we're trying to get into the newspapers, right? That's what you tried to get into back then on the yeah. local level. So we needed a high-quality 8x10 black-and-white photo. We needed a professional bio. We needed a name. We needed an address. And I was the guy that was in charge of tracking all that down or creating it. And I, I, you're absolutely right. We got results because we provided the stuff. If you wait for them to come to you, it ain't ever going to happen, right? So you're absolutely yeah. right. I mean, we would get a bunch of people sending interviews, and, I mean, we'd, we'd go through them. Dave would come over, some of the guys. We'd, we'd just sit at the table and, and write stuff. And, you know, it's it's really part of who you have to be. Um, one thing I did, I got a great relationship going with my local news news media. As soon as we started getting fan mail, that's local boys doing good story, man. And, and, yeah. and they, they took it hook, line, and sinker, started coming out to our shows, and I got to know the photographers and the if we played on a Saturday night, Monday morning, I'd be in the, no, like um, Sunday morning when the, everybody was not in the newsroom, news place, me and the photographer would go in there and start developing photos and putting them on 8 by 10 glossies, dipping them in the pay, in, in the water and stuff. Yeah. I'd leave there with a stack probably five inches thick, man, of, of photos, and then I'd go to work. But Absolutely. I mean, I, I worked until they were like, I got to go. Well, like, here, one more, one more. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was on a mission, man. You have to be. Yeah. And uh, the photographers were so into it because they're going out and shooting a balloon show or, a, you know, or something, a parade. Totally. Now, they're, now, they're, now they're in this mayhem and crazy youthful band and you know, energy. And, you know, it just, sure. it was, they loved it, man. It's the most, it's the most. Yeah, it's the most interesting thing they've seen in a month. And so, of course, they're totally into it. And they might even be, you know, metal fans, you know, when they're not punching the clock nine to five. So that that's another thing, too. You, uh, you not only do you provide them the goods, in a lot of cases, you're also appealing to their personal interests that they don't necessarily advertise at work, you know, in the corporate world or whatever. But if I'm at a desk all day and... And, and, and my job is to fill the entertainment pages and you send me a quality black and white photo and, and a bio to work with or something. Oh, my God, this is the greatest assignment I've had all month. Thank you, Jesus. I'm loving this all of a sudden, you know. Oh, heck, yeah. But, but I'd go to the editor. I'd get in good with the editor because when the editor says yes, everybody follows that's right so i would just stroke them like man dude this is so you know whatever selling it and they, they they'd always go for a, a story like that good local boys doing good doing sure. international stuff so it, it was and it just all worked out but 
I, one thing, take care of your media people, man. Give them, give them the space they need. Give them the time they need to, to do their job. And don't act like a rock star, man. Just, just give people the time because they're doing it for a reason. Sometimes it's not only their job, it's their passion. And uh, that's a dying breed right now of metal media. And, uh, man, it, it's so important to us. Right. It, it, you make a good point there. There, there is a fine line between between being proactive and being a nuisance, and you got to be able to know where to strike that balance in order to get everything to work in your favor as much as possible. Well, it's like you got to get your shot, man. You got to get it. Go get your assignment. Get it done. Yeah. You know, like I, I publish a magazine here, Born to Ride. It's a TV show and a magazine, a biker magazine, a BornToRide.com. They can check out. But. Um, I say I'm like Perry White. I'll send people. Perry White was the editor of the Daily Planet, and he'd send Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and Jimmy Olsen out to get the story. They don't get the story. He'd send them back. Go get it. You didn't give it to me. And that's what I've I've had to do. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm pretty good with direction or um, communication. Being, in, being a producer, a director, uh, if it's not right, it's usually my fault because I didn't communicate effectively enough. So I've learned to be a pretty good communicator as much as I can and it's very important but if you got to get your shot if you're Jimmy Olsen Lois Lane and them you better get it don't come back without it right. so work it work it work it until you get that interview you know otherwise you, you didn't deliver and the, and if the band just shuts you down I mean that's it but if there's still an opportunity get it you know, I got Willie Nelson one time just hanging out and waiting all long enough he said he'd do it he came out and did it Wow. You know, just so you just got to hang in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, back to what you were saying about, you know, they just, fanzines would put you on the cover all the time. Uh, there's, you know, your photos, your, there's usually blood and sweat and leather and TV particles uh, <laughs> all over your body anyway, and the photos you're probably sending. So, of course, you're going to be on the fucking cover. Um, I've got a stack of old 80s fanzines in my lap right now, and yeah. none of them are past probably 1987. So you can imagine okay. my collection, right? Uh, this is Killjoy's number oh, Killjoy. fir first issue. And, you know, we lost Killjoy a couple of years ago, didn't we? Yeah, Frank, he passed yeah. away. Yep, and, yep, uh, yep. I gave him the name Killjoy. Wow. My, I used to be Nasty Ronnie Killjoy. I know. I have, your, I have your autograph, and you signed it Killjoy on one of the right, photos. Yeah. So Frank, would, he was such a diehard Savage fan back in the day. Yeah. He'd come to Tampa and hang out and stay at Curtis's house and shit for like three weeks. And, you know, he just he was always around and, and I said, dude, you want to do your thing? You're Killjoy. And he took that name and, you know, he, he did yeah. necrophagia and he was a, he was a legend in that year of, yes. of metal. You know, well, he, was, he was a big supporter of mine. Even, even with the toys, he followed me through the forest. He followed my whole thing. Much like you, you guys were so sweet. Uh, he's, uh, he's all over this. Of course, but you're on and the cover. Was it, was it Killjoy's mag? What was it called? Yeah, it's called Metal, The Metal Commandments. Okay. And uh, this is from spring of 85, but it's got a bunch of, you know, 884 stuff in here. It says uh, he's got the best album of 84. 
Don't Break the Oath. He's best EP, Morbid Tales, Celtic Frost. Best demo, The Wage of Mayhem. Nasty Savage. Yeah, best new bands, Voivod, Nasty Savage, Destruction. Best male vocalists, tie for King Diamond and Nasty Ronnie. It's the best. It's the best. This is hysterical and true all in one like swipe. He's got the, uh, you know, Killjoy meets Poser on the back where he's he's about to wipe out a Poser. Uh, This is just classic fun. Uh, do, do you have the do you have the Nasty Savage Wage of Mayhem fanzine? I I we knew a, we did I, three of those. I knew that no, I knew I knew that you guys had your own fanzine. I I've talked about that on the Talk Louder podcast before about how Nasty Savage and and some other bands would literally create their own fanzine so they could talk to people that way. And also put lists of people's addresses for crash pads, or if you need a Marshall cabinet, if you need a bass rig, if you whatever, you know, phone numbers and play, you know, and and the metalheads got all that shit from the old punk rock guys. I even I know that. Oh yeah, those fanzines. I, want, I wanted to move forward even with what I have more. This is also from 1985. I want to say this is from France, and it's got. Yours truly on the cover. This is called that's, Metal that's like Canada. Yeah, Canada. It's Metal KO, Metal Knockout. Yeah, yeah. Wow. and it's got a good-looking man right there on the front, and uh, you know, it's of course, pictures I sent him that in the dark room we finally did it. See? Yeah, that's right. Telling that's you. right. And uh, it's got some excellent photos. It looks like it has a, a photo from uh, the Consolidated Arts Warehouse. One of the ones that you actually sent to use in our slideshow is actually in oh, here. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Let's yeah. See. Yeah. yeah, that's, oh, yeah. that's yeah. from Consolidated Arts Warehouse. Um, that was such an amazing show. Oh, my God. And me and Mike Solis, we weren't even on the bill. We came up from Austin just to be there with you guys. Oh, man. Unstoppable and unbelievable. It was, it, was a, it was a classic night because the Doom Society, those people – Yes. The head, the, you know, we primed him up on the radio show for weeks yeah, and did. weeks to come. We had to back it up. We got there, man. It's just, yeah. Well, it was uh, yeah, I'm still friends with Andy and uh, and Rob. Uh, Some of the greatest guys I've ever met. It's in my, true. In my it's true. When I they have, come to Florida, uh, we try to hang out wherever. Yeah. I also have one last thing i wanted to hold up and i wish i had the wage of mayhem i swear i used to have those but i i they're not in my in my crypt right well you know what we did we did three of those and and one of the reasons i mean we did it for self-promotion and marketing yeah but you know what i would also um promote other bands and yes. stuff like that but, but i'd also reach out to record companies to get free records and they'd send them i'd get you know all kinds of records to review this is why that right there those of you listening and watching that right there is unfortunately a guerrilla tactic for uh punks to get free music from the record labels is they'll they'll create a crappy fanzine with literally no vision whatsoever (laughs) solely so they can rip off and just get free music which i think is super shitty um but today they do it with websites 
Yeah, but, but that's they right. Were, they were that's promoting right. those bands too, man. They were doing the reviews. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Yeah, I mean, it um, is getting the name out there, whether uh, whether yeah. the whether the photos quality or the writing is quality or whatever. And, well, and it, even even a shitty fanzine it has value because people dig that and they're reaching somebody. So yeah. even the shittiest, I, I never said shittiest, but I would help anybody who reached out. I would always try of to course. get to those people and make their day. And it was important because it's like politics, man. You got to kiss babies. You got to shake some hands out there, man. Yeah, yeah. you do. You do. got to do it. I have, uh, I have something that I'm wondering if I, sh I should just lead with this. You should have a copy of this, and I don't, I don't know if you have this. Look at this beautiful book here. This okay. is called. Have you seen this? Have you heard no. of this? What this is, is it? No. This is called "As Viewed from the Pit." It's basically the Texas Central Texas version of of uh, "Murder in the Front Row," like you were saying. Uh, Those guys just came out to see us in L.A. That's me. That's uh, me doing my best nasty Ronnie on stage at the cameo oh, cool. on the front cover. Oh, that is cool as hell. And I'd like to see that. That um, well, you need to get a copy of this. And they just yeah. they're they're in their second printing right now. Uh, our buddy Juan Herrera, who was a uh, uh, he's been a guest on our show, of course, of course he he has. And I wanted to show. Do you remember, of course you remember, Liliana Martinez? Yes. The photographer in San Antonio? I, she, oh, yeah. She loved you so much. And I just want to share this photo that's about three or four pages into the book. <laughs> and this is Nasty Ronnie, Liliana Martinez, Art Villarreal from S.A. Slayer, Carry On, and yours truly. And look, you and I have the same haircut. Oh, man. <laughs> That is cool. Yeah. I, um, you'll have to take a picture of that and text it to me later. Okay. There's some and, cool pictures of, of me and you one time in San Antonio or along the river walk, I believe. I had some with a nutcracker. Yeah, or yeah you're exactly nutcracker. right. And you know what? I think some of those that you speak of are in this beautiful book. Oh, that's cool. Um, and if you want to tell some people about it, they can find this online. It says uh, photos from the South Texas metal scene from 78 to 89. So it's, you know, it's, they, he stayed within the walls. Yeah. You know, I, I think if you don't, if you, if you don't play Texas, if, if, if you don't get appreciated in Texas or um, gain, gain respect or the following or whatever in Texas, you, you really, you really haven't. You really haven't made it anywhere because Texas is such a stronghold on metal. And, uh, you know, from, I mean, we played El Paso, um, you know, Corpus Christi and McAllen, Texas. Oh, my God. But Houston and San Antonio, was, you know, each city had their own thing. But there's something really special about San Antonio and yes. uh, the people of San Antonio. And then, then it's Texas in general. You know, give me a tea for Texas, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited just talking about it. I do. Well, it's 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 really cool that you're an ambassador for Texas, and obviously you've, you were you still are well loved down here, and uh, you you guys it it's so good to see um, you guys active somewhat, and I love the the sort of like back and forth between you and Kate and 
Depena and from Hyrax, and he's one of us. He was a lot of the same things that you guys, uh, you know, resemble uh, for underground metal. It's you guys are cut from the exact same cloth. Well, you know what? I was going to bring that up because when you said who else was doing that, that's the first guy that comes to yeah. mind. We were pen pals, you know, yeah. and, and and he still has the damn nasty savage demo. And I think the man found the fountain of youth, man, because he still looks like he did back when he was 22, man. And we just played with him in L.A. and he just he was unbelievable, and, but more of an unbelievable guy, you know, and yeah. just a solid respectful people love him and yeah and he's worked hard he, he every man he, he was all over the underground too yes you, know, that's, you, you can't deny that no yeah well he was very he's very uh he's very well loved and he's very positive he's positive all the time he's, he's positive he's a great ambassador yes yeah you were talking um, earlier about uh, the importance of Texas if you're a metal band and winning over fans in Texas. And I wanted to talk a little bit about Florida because I, I think, you know, Florida's got a very uh, well-known and distinctive uh, metal scene. A lot of people automatically think the San Francisco, the Bay Area, or they think the East Coast. Uh, but Florida, you know, spawned a lot of great metal bands. Oh, and yeah. you guys were sort of one of the very first i mean you mentioned death earlier in the conversation there's death there's deicide there's obituary i mean there's uh morbid, morbid angel. angel yeah all these bands if i'm not mistaken you guys were among the first so uh, t hmm. tell me take me back to that time and tell me what was this what was the scene like was there camaraderie among all you bands knowing that you were in a place like florida where there wasn't necessarily a hotbed of record label activity yeah we're, or we're talking like 83 to 85 yeah we're yeah we're talking yeah, well, mid 80s take me what, back what to is, florida at that time and and some of the bands i just mentioned and tell me what was it like being a part of that and being in the eye of that storm i'm gonna take you back all right i'm gonna take <laughs> you way back take we're me going back. back to the old school is everybody in we're gonna get on the bus or take a ride up. We're going we're back to the old school. nasty ronnie's driving yeah. the bus look out that's right man is everybody in cue the music <laughs> keep your arms inside please <laughs> but see back then i mean there was sabotage they were avatar oh. and then they turned into sabotage before our eyes and, and we used to just thrash there's another band called argus and that was really about it and and then this band was looking for a singer and uh they were called nightmare and my friend said you got to go try for this band and so i went there and it was ben uh, um, craig huffman on drums and fred dragerson was the bass player and i, I went there and uh tried out and i sang like the rock child two times and left and then uh, i never heard back from the dudes i'm like damn so then i saw him at a keg party and uh, I go, hey, man, do you guys want me to be your singer or not? And they go, yeah, yeah. I go, I'll be over Monday with a game plan. <laughs> they go, okay. So I go over to the house, and, and I go, everybody out of the house. It was a jam house. And they're looking at, who the hell is this guy? I go, everybody out except the band, okay? And they all left. I go, sit down. I said, 
come on, guys, this is what it's going to be. Nasty Savage. I'm going to be Nasty Runner, the wildest singer ever. And we're going to put our money together, and we're going to do a demo tape called Wage of Mayhem. And, and it, within one year, we're going to be signed. We're going to be getting fan mail from all the We're going to be touring. Are you with me? Is everybody in? So they go, yeah, man, let's do it. And, and we just didn't look back. So we break out. We start playing in cow pastures and shit, you know, with a keg party, $2 to get in stuff, you know. Sure. Like someone at the door, we built a stage. We'd steal wood from job sites. You know, we were creating this shit. Actually, the first show we did was in a guy's side yard. His mom and dad were out of town in a suburban neighborhood. And uh, we, we stole a bunch of wood from a job site. And, and uh, we built the stage and we're playing and I'm about ready to go on stage, you know, and my buddy pulls up on a Harley. I go, hey, man, let me ride that thing. And I rode it right through the crowd to the front of the stage, got off and got on the stage. And we're, we made an impact right from the get go. So we're, we're loud in the neighborhood. The police come, you know, probably within about three or four songs. The cops come, two or three squad cars, and they come right to the front of the stage and uh as soon as they get to the front of the stage, we stop, and then we started playing "Breaking the Law." And, you know, the cops were like, they were they were so pissed. You know, they then they, they took us off the stage. And, but what the best part was sensationalism. It was magnification of this band. It was nasty savage. They, they, they're defying the police. So the police left, and as soon as they left, we started doing it again. They came back. You know, finally they we shut it down. But then we went on to another show and we started jamming. And these guys from Brandon were metalheads. So Morbid Angel, Deicide, Obituary, those guys were metalheads before before they were um before they were in a band. Sure. They they kind of witnessed mayhem of of us. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying the impact that we gave, we're we're just original what we did and, and that's all we knew. So we'd put on this crazy show. So because of that, it spawned their own mayhem within themselves to be extreme death, extreme guitarists, extreme everything, or just taking care of business. The, the obituary guys, I'm at my mom's house one day, living at my mom's house, mom and dad, and my mom goes, Ron, there's two boys at the door. They want to talk to you. I go, okay. So I go there, and they go, are you nasty, Ronnie? I go, yeah. They go, well, I'm John and Donald Tardy, and we want to know how to start a band. They were on their bicycles. They came to my house. They were, oh, they I were love smart. that. They were smart enough to find where I live, to go to the man or the person who's marketing metal and, and who's, who put an impact on them. So I was like, man, I respect what you guys want to know. I go, let's go to Lithia Springs and let's throw the Frisbee for about seven hours. And then we'll talk metal all day. Seven and hours. That, <laughs> and that's what we did, man. And, you know, and, and look at those guys today. And if you their book just came out, there's a whole there's a whole um, chapter on how Nasty Savage inspired them. And Whoa. that means the world to me. And then they did the video. It's a cartoon or a caricature, whatever you call it, of 10,000 Ways to Die. They they pull up to a Nasty Savage gig. They couldn't get in. They get in, and then we're on stage. It's got us playing Unchained Angel. Oh. You got to see it. The videos had over 5 million or 6 million views. Holy shit. So what song is this? It's called uh, Obituary 10,000 Ways to Die. 10,000 Ways to Die. 
come up from they're crashing and all of a sudden the zombies come in and then it they, they goes on to their video but they honored us and uh we've got to attribute guys like that who uh, totally respected us enough to do that for us in honor you know of just being yeah. real and all these new metalheads are seeing nasty search for the first day go who the hell is this band you know and because of them when we're playing now these younger kids seem to just like they're just like coming out of the woodwork. It's it's really cool that the younger kids respect that because you know we're not just going da, 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 and, and going oh, oh, oh. you know we, we have a little bit of it's a little different. So they, they they like it and you know bands like Morbid Angel and all those guys they did come after us and yeah. a lot of them a lot of the guys give us a lot of pro- Chuck from Death was really inspired by Nasty Savage and and Chuck always wanted to break away from death metal. He wanted to do more. Scott Carino's in our band now, bass player, and he he toured with that for a while. Yeah, and he's an amazing bass player. But 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 yeah, the metal scene is is like there was California and man, you know, the Bay Area, Metallica, Slayer, and everybody, Exodus, and then there was New York with the Anthrax and all that. And and I don't think Florida really got its due. You know, like Metal Blade really didn't do much with us. They should have, but because of our bad management. They, they had us tied down and who's going to promote something if they only have them to a one one year deal yeah um, yeah so so you know it, but but definitely man the the scene back then was go for it make it happen and don't let don't wait for anybody else to uh to do it for you just blaze a trail what and do that's you kind of uh, what we did what do you uh i love that story by the way yeah me too that That was was fantastic (laughs) we we can all i think a lot of uh, a lot of people can relate to the 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 story about the respect given because you made an impact and something similar like that not to generalize but something similar to that was happening in all of the bigger uh, metal scenes in the middle of nowhere in some instances and then of course in the big cities too but a version of that happened right here in austin texas the most unmetal place in texas you know it's a twang town it's an acoustic town it's a willy town you know it's, yeah. it's country and blues and stuff like that i got here in the early 80s and i was like where's all the fucking metalheads you know the first person i met in austin texas mike Ooh. solis <laughs> Mike Solis. What a guy. What a yeah. great guy. Incredible. Great so check this out. The 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 very recent season, the most recent season of Stranger Things. Right. Has a fucking nasty savage flyer in the shot next ne- on the wall next to the kid's guitar, <laughs> the headbanger with the Dio jacket. He goes in his room and he's like, yeah, see you later, baby. Petting his guitar. It's hanging on the wall. There's a fucking nasty. How did that make you feel? What? You know, I mean, my kids finally respected me for being a band <laughs> because they never, they never really did, I don't think. What? Is that my dad's flyer on TV? No, yep. no, it was Stranger Things more than TV or anything. Oh. It was just that captivated show that captivates these kids now and if you made it on stranger things man that was pretty damn good i don't know how that happened i don't even know how anybody noticed it because it's like a two second thing and i have at at the bottom of the screen the album is there too yeah i have theories i have theories you know a lot of the um a lot of the 
the popular series or TV shows or just when you just think media or or uh, producers and people in charge of, you know, the music departments or the music supervisor on shoots, on shows that get signed on by a production company or whatever, they're our age. Yeah. They're yeah. our age. And so all of the, and if they're a metalhead mm-hmm. and they're our age, guess what's going to pop up at any mm-hmm. given moment that they're given in the script? Oh, yeah. oh, he's long hair. He's kind of a heavy metal headbanger guy. Oh, I know exactly what to tell to the prop department now. Get you some fucking nasty savage flyers and shit. Yeah. And put them up in their kids' well, we've, room. We've, we've had, we had Ryder and Blaine from Nashville Pussy on the show, and we recently had uh, Mickey Finn from Jet Boy. And in the case of Nashville Pussy, they had a song on that Peacemaker uh, series with yeah. John Cena. And then in the case of Mickey Finn, uh, the 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 when when the Philadelphia Flyers score a goal, the arena starts up with the "Feel the Shake," the song yeah, by Jet Boy. Their hit song, and, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. had this exact conversation, and Jason's right, and 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 those people, our guests, validated it. They said. There's people in positions of power now that grew up on that stuff and love that stuff, and now they're in a position where they have the opportunity to stick a nasty savage flyer on the wall on Stranger Things or to play Jet Boy when the flyers score a goal or to put Nashville Pussy in a Peacemaker episode or whatever. So it's funny. It it comes around because your fan base who grew up with you in the 80s is now 50-some years old, and some of them are working in positions that allow for that sort of creative license. And, it, you know, who knows? It might uh, generate a new generation of fans or whatever that never heard of you before. The coolest well, you know, it was definitely cool. And, and you know, the props are put in for a reason and because that's a blank set. Someone might be using the same set tomorrow. But I did a movie in, in L.A. in 2016. I was actually the creative producer of a movie – nation's fire and we filmed in la for 25 days in burbank up in the mountains at the at the ranches where they film movies and uh, we worked with chuck liddell was in the movie gil bellows was in shawshank redemption and the main actor was bruce dern he was in the movie bruce dern like we paid him like eighty five thousand dollars for one day's work and uh but it was amazing to work with that guy and you know, Laura Dern's Academy Award, his daughter, and, he, yeah. and he's, he's just an unbelievable. He's the guy that killed John Wayne and the Cowboys in front of all those kids. You know, and I such a villain at, 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 in the 70s when I saw that movie. He killed John Wayne, and I was going to be working with him. You know, it's like, but yeah, it was a concept movie of called Nation's Fire with a chick with brains that had power, and she's a biker chick. And it was a concept that I gave the director, and he wrote the script. And wow. you know, I, was, I ended up being the creative director because my friend Chris DeGrotto and her husband funded the movie with about one point six million. And uh, I was in LA working on a movie set, man. And I'm wow. like, wow, I can't believe I'm doing this, That's but awesome. I did. It we dealt with props and I had the main actors in the show are wearing born to ride shirts, man. In the show. So props are very important. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. But, but they were wearing born to ride shirts, man. It's well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to wonder who gave them those shirts at all. I, I don't <laughs> well, have to, yeah. 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 I got great product placement in the movie. There you go. <laughs> That's what they you call too. it. Yeah. I, bet things, I don't know how that happened. It's got to be a connection with some kind of metal or something. And 
I'd really like to know more because sometimes when you do that, you almost have to get permission, you know? So, I mean, we have to sign off on everything on a prop basis. So I'm honored and we all are excited big time about it, but um, thank God some promoter and Bob over in Chicago saw it, took a still shot and sent it to us. Yeah, I saw that. That's how I, that's how I know because it went by me. I'm a fan of the show. I'm a big nerd of shit like that. And, uh, and I, I love the, I love the character because it's like, I can fucking relate, you know, this guy's in a shit town and he's a headbanger and he's hanging out with all the nerds and shit. That was me and my friends, man. I get it. There's gotta be more coming. Maybe, yeah. you know, more of that character, more of yeah. that room. Yeah. Because once you have the room, it kind of stays that way. You know, yeah. they That's probably right. shot all those scenes already for the season in that room because they, that's usually how they film a lot of stuff backwards and forwards and sideways and then put it all together. Yeah. So yeah. we'll have to see, man. It's exciting. There was another little exciting point to our, the last few months that we've been playing and stuff. It's, it's really been exciting. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. And, uh, I really am glad that you're feeling the love and it, it's well-deserved and, and, uh, you're, you're really a special guy. I don't care what Dave said about you earlier. <laughs> No, I, I want to say this. I've never, I've never met Ronnie, and I've never talked to Ronnie before, so I wasn't sure what to expect when we, when we lined you up to be on the podcast today. Uh, but I know of your reputation, and I know your singing and all that sort of thing. But I got to say, man, you, you know, you talked earlier about Nasty Ronnie as the character, and you flipped the switch on and off. Um, I'm sitting here listening to you, and you couldn't be a more genuine, sincere like likable kind of guy and you're you're pretty damn smart too when i listen to you talk about you know uh movie sets and how to market and how to reach out to the editor and i mean you got your game plan man and uh and i i respect that i respect you even more after this so uh i i've i've enjoyed getting to know you as a little bit as a human being and rather than just the persona which is what, what everybody's first introduction most people's first introduction to you would be yeah, and, and you know, on stage, I try to have fun and make people laugh too, and and just you know, tell them we're all here together as one. Doesn't matter, you know, what color you are, where you're from. It's in the name of metal. Can I testify? Shit like that, you know. Because yeah. <laughs> we, we're only sharing this moment one time, people. You know, yeah. come on, get on the bus and just let's ride it. Let's ride that bus, and you know. Um, but Dave, what do you I've see? Dave, do you, do you see why I'm a fan of this man? Yeah, it's yeah, because, I, mean, I, I get yeah, it. Pastor yeah. McMaster from the Church of Disaster has stolen some nasty Ronnie shit, and it's time. So. Yeah, Let's testify, brother. Let's testify now. But but you know, I, I get it. Seven years, I produced a TV show called Born to Ride, and I just did my 1,345th TV episode. Wow. That's, Totally a commitment, but that's more than cops, man. Cops doesn't have that many episodes, nor The Simpsons. Is you know, this so, on? Is this on cable or is it on what? How do you see here it? In Florida, here in Florida, it's been on a uh, great thirty-eight, which is cable and non-cable, satellite and dish. It goes out to about fourteen counties and about two and a half million homes, cable and non-cable, satellite and dish in the Tampa Bay, into Orlando, up and down I seventy-five. So fourteen counties, you know. Okay. Uh, 
but but it's on satellite and dish but it's also now on our youtube channel uh, born to ride.com you go to youtube and tell, you can get on facebook born to tell ride us TV. about a, about an episode what's the how do you play well, an episode was it well it, it's guests? the life it's the life and times of motorcycles and the people who ride them All so right. you, and we magnify the greatness you know we document the lifestyle in a proper manner because if we don't do it who will you know, right. it's always blood on the asphalt, hooligans on the highway. But we, we magnify the greatness of bikers, you know, yeah. and it's an easy job. It's an easy right. job. There's so many great things going on. And well, I know that I, I know that uh, a lot of in uh, this I'm out of my element a little bit. But I what I do know about um, bike clubs or people who ride together and who are part of the culture and the lifestyle, there's a lot of people that that have money there's a lot of people that that don't have money but they have a bike and they travel and they're in these they're in the culture and they go to all the festivals and everything and they're big supporters um they are very generous to uh you know they they'll do benefits a lot of uh, a lot of bike, yeah all year long they do benefits and they raise money or and to, and they raise awareness for probably homeless and children's hospitals and it's it's really really a big deal. So uh, knowing that you have such a big heart, I'm sure that that's what the show is where that's where you're what are you aiming for the idea. We do a lot of charity work, and I think if God or whoever God has given me this talent or the 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 means to stay on the air. We better do some good things with it, you know, and, and, you know, kids today can't even talk to adults and, you know, you get around people and they, the kids are out there and they don't pay attention. They don't talk. My kids grew up in the motorcycle world. We took them to every motorcycle rally and, you know, they, they learned, uh, they learned to give that last dollar out of your pocket to someone who needs it more or, or to give the shirt off your back or to see the respect that people give their parents for our hard work. And then the travel, the adventure, the fun, you know, all that lifestyle or the destination uh, locations and stuff. We, we've had a great ride with that and, and really proud that, that my kids got to grow up and see a world in a way that where people just like to have fun, but it doesn't matter what you ride, uh, blue collar to white collar, you know, people of color, everybody's riding motorcycles. And that's one thing you have in common with another biker. It's sort of like a metalhead. It's, it's like a parallel. Um, it's passionate and it's fun. And um, I've enjoyed it, you know, I really do. And I met some of the greatest people uh, doing Born to Ride. And, you know, um, I'm sure you know bikers down the street or someone in your family, and you know they're always on the go. They're always happy when they're riding. They're they're taking trips, and I've been to Sturgis. I've seen America, Laughlin. You know, we go to Las Vegas Bike Fest, and you know, just done you know, all over the place, man. America is such a beautiful country, guys. So awesome. And you know what? Uh, gotta say, uh, Sonny Barger from the Hell's Angels passed away yesterday, a legendary biker, uh, president and founder of the Hell's Angels. And Sonny Barger was on Born to Ride TV, you know, and, and I've interviewed him along right. with Evil Knievel, Willie Nelson, uh, Steven Tyler, you know, just it goes on and on. All these people have been on Born to Ride, uh, Charlie Daniels. Uh, uh, Bo Diddley, I had a killer interview with Bo Diddley, and he, you know, just 
you know, we just meet all kinds of people with Born to Ride, man. And, and but it's it's sort of a double-edged sword. So I don't push heavy metal into the biker thing. It's like, it's just not the right demographic for it. So I'm a, again a totally different person that way too. Well, you you know your audience and you're thinking ahead, and that's and strategy is is a big part of it. So that that makes sense. That's what about, awesome. That, that what about you, yeah? That's in, that's incredible. That's awesome. And, yeah. uh, I wish you further well, you know, success on that. Yeah, I mean, being a producer, you got to produce. Being a publisher, you got to publish. I just went to press last night with our 218th Born to Ride magazine, and uh, that's statewide in Florida. And then I do another Born to Ride in the in the states of Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, North and South Carolina every month. And we drop ship them to all the places, man. And we're always hustling. And we're going to Cape Spring, Georgia this month for a big bike bike event. And uh, I'm excited about that. It should be fun. What uh, Do you have any other businesses or ventures that you have rolling right now? Is that your main of course. gig? Yeah. Of course, I, do. Well, I know yeah. because you're that's the you're the you're the ringleader. I get it. But what else you got besides Born to Ride? Well, I've got the. Uh... I started putting uh, booths in antique malls. I've got like five different malls that I have booths in. I think I have seven or eight booths in antique malls. So I'm always picking, uh, and, wow. you know, like American pickers. I'm out there on Saturday mornings, Friday mornings. Uh, I just bought a storage unit today at 21 slot machines in it and a bunch of other stuff and a ton of stuff <laughs> i got it all for 600 bucks what wow. <laughs> I, what. I said I had, but i just bought the storage unit and paid the rent on the storage unit now because i wasn't going to move it all right that quick because i'm out of space in my right. other story but no i'm i'm i love i've always been a collector of all kinds of stuff and I just love the thrill of going to a garage sale, man. You never know what's going to be there. Wow. I've got a thousand great stories of killer stuff I find and resold. Yeah. And just, it's, you know, it's overtaking. It's overwhelming. But um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And I'm always going to be active doing something. That's sure. really taking a lot of my time. Well, uh, your audio's going, uh, getting crackly. Yeah, your, your microphone sounds bad again. Yeah. Okay. This is better now. Any better now? It's about the same. You sound like a robot or something. It's weird. I wanted yeah. to ask Ronnie the uh, the traditional Talk Louder podcast question that we like to ask our oh, guests. And that, and that is, uh, do you remember, Ronnie, what, what got you hooked on rock and roll? Was there a particular album or a concert or a moment where you saw something on TV or, or somebody's record collection? What was the one moment that's music related that made you go, ah, I want to do this. I want to pursue this. Wow, man. Um, probably in fourth grade, West Side Story. Wow. The Jets and the Sharks, man, the, the gangs, the fighting, like Romeo and Juliet. I didn't realize it was Romeo and Juliet back then, but I just, I love the gang against gang and the dancing and the you know, that Leonard Bernstein shit and just, I, I used to sing every one of those songs, man. And my, when I go to my family thing, they go, Ronnie, do a do West Side Story. And then Elvis, you know, and you know, then Elvis, really big impact. And Jim Morrison, of course. But, you know, I, I really, my sister had the Beatles album, Rubber Soul. And I just remember being a big Beatles fan and 
that's kind of stuff. And I still love that type of music. It's the 60s, 70s music. And yeah. Rolling Stones, Beatles, you know, Pink Floyd. Um, I, I really didn't listen to a lot of heavy metal. Uh, you know, I mean, in high school, believe it or not, I just started getting in the Leonard Skinner, the one for the road, the double live album. Yeah. And then Styx was like one of my first concerts. So it's like, I mean, I was still drinking milk in high school every day for dinner. You know, it's like, I was just, I don't know. I just, I, I never really was in, like all my friends love Kiss and stuff, but I missed that part. I missed it. Okay. Uh, so I just, it was more like the impact of probably Elvis and, um, you know, that West Side Story thing just got me. As a, but then pro wrestling, so it's like, it's just, I feel like with the 90% of our guests who say Kiss Alive was the record that stole their heart yeah. between, you know, West Side Story and wrestling <laughs> and Elvis, you've got what Kiss did to us. You've got all of that. Yeah. It's the same thing. You know, Alice Cooper's the big West Side Story kind of a guy. He loves vaudeville and drama and horror movies, and that's kind of his whole thing, too. So. Yeah. I get that. I get that. Yeah. I was going to say, I think I think that's a first on the Talk Louder podcast. Yeah, that's what I, I was going to say. I don't think we've ever had a guest that pointed to West Side Story. You're the only one that's ever mentioned West Side Story. And, we'll... and I'm okay with that. You know, and I'm, a, I'm okay with that because it's real, you know. It really, when I thought about what really impacted me, that was it. I, I wanted to go see the movie because we watched it in school for the first time. It was like a, a special day. We got to watch a movie. And I went home and told my mom about it. And, and it happened to be coming on TV. And I just I loved it. I've always loved that show. Wow. Yeah. Would have never a, guessed yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> it is, that, that musical is unbelievable. And then the storyline is just... You know, it's, it's, it was just something that impacted me at four years old. I mean, fourth grade. And, um, I think that was it, probably. Wow, that's awesome. Let me ask one more real quick question, and I, and I and this is out of necessity because you talked earlier about you just did a handful of shows. So Nasty Savage is still active in some capacity. Is there any chance that we'll get a new album out of you? Well, yeah, that's um, we've got the music, and, and that's maybe Jason could help me with this either off this show or, or later on or right now is. What should we do? You know, we 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 need to get like, is it a band camp? Is it go not go fund me? You know, how do we get people like you're, to step up and help us? Do you're this? you're asking you're asking a great question. If you feel like you want to sort of self release, so there's no middleman because we all know where that gets you. And you don't really get any kick money kicked back anymore. Right. You know, but we have these labels who they all said, hell yeah, get us some stuff, get us sure. some. But even to go into the studio and do it, it's gonna, you know, we're looking at thousand, fifteen hundred dollars, whatever. So, but we could also record our whole album and, and deliver it too, right? Or just do it ourselves. So we just don't know what to do. But I'm telling you what, we have some new songs that are unbelievable, and I can't wait to write to them. Yeah, you know, because I've got these killer titles. One of them's called um, Aztec Elegance. <laughs> and it, it's something <laughs> I love that movie um, wow. Apocalypto oh yeah me too oh my god I yeah, love that it was so fucking heavy 
apocalypto, apocalypto. But no, that's so we call it. We call it. I go, no, no. I'm going to change it to Aztec elegance because I always wanted to write about the Aztecs. And, you know, in, in that movie, the guys are going up the steps and they're, they're seeing they're painted blue, indigo blue. And then they see the guys on the wall painted indigo blue, getting their hearts ripped out. At that moment, they understood that they were going up there. Something bad was going to happen. You know, and I was just always infatuated with the Aztecs and the whole deal with that. And I always want to write about the sun gods and the blood and all that. So um, I wrote this. Sounds like you are about to. Yeah, Yeah. I already wrote the song. So I have the music, the lyrics. And we have the song. We actually recorded, but I think we're going to. We record that. We have like, we have an instrumental called the Sixth Finger. So that's that's badass. They played that I before the show. Yeah, the Sixth Finger. And I Whoa. collect toys, and there's actually a toy called the Sixth Finger. And I got a picture of it. I sent it to David. I said, Dave, look what I found. Whoa. The Sixth Finger. So, yeah. so, yeah, so, so there's there's new music well underway. It's just a matter of finding the right way to to release it to the fans. Yeah, and get in, and we all have our own, um, we all have our own lives and jobs and business sure. stuff, and yeah. getting together to do it, it, it takes a commitment, and everybody's ready. Matter of fact, when we get back from from Mexico, we're going to have a barbecue here at my house, and we're going to actually talk to everybody, the guys about it, because it's really me and Dave, but the other guys, I don't want to say they're hired guns, but we want them to be more, and uh, yeah. that's what we want to kind of tell them. We're going to. We want to really structure something, guys, and, you know, is everybody in? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I know your fans will be looking forward to that. It's been a while since we've, uh, you know, heard anything from you, and I know COVID probably threw a big wrench in the gear, but uh, I was happy to hear that you recently did some gigs, and someone like yourself, I'm imagining, is always writing, so it just begged the question, when can we expect another Nasty Savage release? So in the works and stay tuned folks yeah well you know i think i think when you're writing for a purpose uh you know you're writing singing songs to please yourself that's how you want to do with the music with lyrics whatever but if there's a purpose like okay we have a a time frame that we want to do or you know we have something we're doing this for all of a sudden you become more productive and more uh, you know more aware of what you have to deliver and like when we did uh, psycho psycho that was the first album we all wrote and didn't practice together at all until we got in the studio and, and did our tracks because Dave lived in the Carolinas and they did a couple of little jam sessions, but it was mostly everybody doing it on their own. That was in 05 and it was just wow. different. But I remember writing and writing and writing, all the, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff. And I'd get the songs and just listen and listen. I go, okay, that song is going to be this title. You know, I always have all these titles written on a piece of paper, like a hundred, and I'd narrow them down to 20 and 10, five, you know, whatever. But then I'd match them with the this, this, this song, how I thought the song. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so it's exciting when you really have a, a, a challenge to get it done and you know you're on a time frame where you got to do it. So I'm really hoping that we can figure this out. You know, Chris Jericho is on our um, Wage of Mayhem album we did. And uh, he he was wow. on no he was on Psycho Psycho. Oh okay. Back in back in the day, you know, Chris Jericho as a friend of ours, Ed Aborn, who's in Siren, and um, he goes, well, I want to meet Nasty Ronnie. So I, I go, okay. and this was back in you know the early '90s or so, 
or late. I don't know when it was, but it was probably before that. Anyway, I go, Chris Jericho, oh, my God, I love him. So we go to dinner. We meet at an Outback, and he's like, hi, Bill, we're talking bullshit. He goes, um, I go, yeah, our bass player, Dezo. He goes, no, it's Dezo. It's the Von Bartha III. You know, he's he is a real Nasty Savage fan. He said, man, I used to play volleyball in Canada and listen to Nasty Savage. So, um, wow. you know, it was really cool. I got to meet him. He's a big Savage fan. And I'm trying to reach out to him now because uh, he was on our album. We did some stuff together. Uh, see if he could kind of give us some guiding light. He's, I really respect him so much. I mean, he's such a great guy and so smart. So, um, you know, I'm hoping maybe he could get, give us some direction as well. But if not, I talked to Dan Johnson, who did Sabotage and so many other bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking to some people, so hopefully something will happen. I know that it will. You're you're the man. You you know how to use your resources, and uh, you've made an impact with a lot of people. And uh, it's interesting, Chris Jericho, he's in the wrestling games, in the heavy metal game, and he knows everybody. He's got radio and talk shows and blah 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 guys is just all over the place uh i see a lot of him in you i see a lot of you in him so that's interesting connection that i never put together yeah i didn't put that together either but it's he's he's an unbelievable person and a performer and everything else he does he knows a lot about metal and just hard rock he really does Uh, he's brilliant he's brilliant and you know you want to be around people. You want to be around eagles. Fly with eagles, man, so you don't have to deal with turkeys. You know, don't waste time with, with people who bring you down with drama or negativity. Just fly yeah. with the eagles, bro. Fly right. with the eagles. Yeah. There you go. There That's you go. right. Word, words yeah. of wisdom from Nasty Ronnie today. Yeah, thank you, Ronnie, for fine. being here today. Thank you and very Jason's much. Jason's a mighty eagle, brother. I, you know, I, I love you, brother. I really oh, appreciate yeah. the time I, today. Big, Ronnie, thanks so much hugs. for joining us, man. It was a pleasure talking to you and a pleasure to get to meet you and know you a little bit. And uh, we wish you continued success in all your endeavors because you are, you got your hands in a lot of buckets and uh, happy to see you doing so well and enjoying it all and having some success with it all. So thank you for joining us. On behalf of my co-host, Jason McMaster, I'm Metal Dave. Special thanks to our guest today on the Talk Louder podcast, Nasty Ronnie from Nasty Savage.